0: to the-
1: This is Death by DVD. I am your host, Alexander Nash, and Whitney, as always, is my co-host. He's the disease. I'm the cure. It's Hank.
0: Yeah. Stand there and drink a warm Coors Light and finally put me out of my sick misery. I'm ready for it.
1: It's okay. I don't shop here.
0: Do you eat pizza with scissors?
1: Uh why wouldn't you eat Pizza with Scissors' sneezy way of cutting it into small bite-sized pieces
0: that you need? And it truly does help uh, get the grease off your hands. Cobra's a great movie.
1: I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I ain't no psycho man! I'm a hero! You're looking at a fucking hunter! I'm a hero of the new world.
0: Your disease.
1: And I'm the cure. (laughs) Die. Hey.
0: Drop it. Somebody's heart. <laughs> I think <laughs> like my favorite <laughs> scene is when he gets embarrassed for his first name being Marion. The dude's name is Marion Cobretti, and that's what you're embarrassed about. Uh, whatever. Just <laughs> Uh, And it's an axe-murdering cult he's going after. Cobra, what a terrific movie. My introduction this week is I was uh, doing some research, and I have realized that not once in recorded human history has anyone made the statement or verified that Orson Welles didn't eat children. Now, nobody has ever said or accused Orson Welles of eating children, but most and more importantly is that there is no reference and there is no proof that he did not actually eat children. Thus, therefore, Orson Welles definitely ate children. I don't think that's how logic works. Well, in this modern day and age, I don't know how much you could argue me. You know, I mean, the president is Donald Trump, and I think I have a firm case now, you know?
1: Well, he did try to figure out how to shoot uh, bleach into people's veins or sunshine. Disinfect it. You got to disinfect that disease inside.
0: I'm still pretty certain Orson Welles ate children. I mean, there's there's no proof 100% that he didn't, and that's where— my theory started. You sparked this because um, that's pretty much what you told me. There's no proof that Orson Welles didn't eat kids. And so I've done hours and hours of research. There's no proof whatsoever on the World Wide Web that he didn't eat kids. No one has ever accused him of it, but no one's ever proven one indefinitely that he did not. Alright. So, anyway, (laughs) we've got a recently seen... Am I going first with the recently seen? Up to you. Yeah, we can just keep the disappointment flowing because... I got a, a whammy. I couldn't find my remote the other day, so I ended up watching Spare Parts. That's a lie. I, it's a lie. I watched this uh, on my own free will. I knew where the remote was. I knew where it was the entire time. It's by Sean McNamara, and it's based on an article from Wired magazine called La Vida Robot. And it is a family movie uh, starring Marissa Tomei and George Lopez. Oh, and Jamie Lee Curtis. She plays the grouchy principal about some Latino youths that join a robotics club and they beat out MIT, and then one of them gets deported. And then he comes back, and that's the end. Told you it was a Was this on the L. Ray Network? Oh, yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah, it
1: seems to be the only thing you watch. Yes, they show great George Lopez films. It was. there's it... a lot of those. Ski School? Oh, Ski School's a classic. You can't talk no, wait. about Ski School. What was it? Oh, that's not Ski School. It's something else. I cannot remember the name of that fucking movie from the 80s. But anyway, um, anything else you want to say about... Is it space
0: parts or spare parts? Uh, I think it's spare parts, but space parts sounded a lot cooler. I was going to talk about The Harder They Come, but then I remembered I hate reggae. So, I mean, watch it if you want to. Jimmy Cliff's all right. Well,
1: I watched a movie that has been just blowing up on Netflix. Uh, That several people told me to watch. It's that platform, that Spanish-language film that has been dubbed inexplicably for no reason. Uh, I also have subtitles on. They don't match up to the uh, dubbed dialogue very well. The subtitles make it a little less tolerable, or a little more tolerable, because the dubbing is atrocious. Um, If you haven't seen it, this is a spoiler show. We will always get into all kinds of spoilers. But the general plot is a platform goes up and down, mostly just down, level to level to level. It's like a detention Um,
0: center, but you can also involuntarily enter said uh, detention center.
1: It's a government style experiment where if you get on a lower level, maybe you don't eat, because the platform has all the food, and the people on level one get the first crack at all this delicious food, and by the time it gets to level 200 and something, there's almost no food left. That's the general premise, and you know, it goes very cube on us all. I mean, I think that's the reference that most people are using about it is cube. Um, cube seemed to make a little bit, I don't, I don't want to say more sense than platform. I platform don't think
0: cube was politically as motivated. Yes. I think cube is a much more basic story and it involves more horror elements, so it works more successfully. And it's, uh, this is obviously, you know, got some sort of. Backing that is more than just sheer entertainment. And it's not that Cube is just sheer entertainment. I really like Cube, but
1: well, Cube has, I mean, the the fact that it doesn't have any sort of inherent political message to it makes it more of a figuring things out as you go type scenario, and that becomes like it, you know, it it's like it's like a mind puzzle to figure out. Uh, and but Platform is just political, and the plot aspects of it, the the sheer story of it is. You never really find out what the fuck is going on because all we're really doing is hammering this kind of political concept, which I don't mind. I agree with the political um, the politics of the movie. It's just it's just very bold out there. I don't think they had much to say in the movie other than a very base idea of you know, how capitalistic structures work in the world and how uh, like it's kind of irrelevant everything you are alive. it's who you know and how to what levels you get it's that kind of stuff but it was just so bold and in your face and it really didn't ultimately have a message and it wasn't the panicata. the panicata was not the message um but <laughs> it just like it goes where you think it's gonna go at the end and it just i, I wanted a little bit more actual plot explanation as opposed to just this kind of very in-your-face political message that is just kind of uh you didn't really have anything to say other than hey look at this philosophical idea okay i understand that five minutes in and we got nothing the rest of the movie so that's i mean that's kind of how i felt about the way i didn't think it was terrible i just thought it was a little uh little bit like hitting the nail on the head too much it was like land of the dead levels of politics very much
0: in your face I think one of the things I really appreciated about it was the distinction that everything is a lie. Everything that our protagonist is told about the woman that travels up and down through the different ranks and the child not existing, everything's a lie. And that's, again, um, you know, hammer and nail a little bit too closely, but it's something that I don't think people observe regularly, and especially now in the United States with COVID-19 and everything that's going on, people are starting to recognize, oh shit, everything's a fucking lie. I don't even know what platform I'm on. And, you know, just using that as an open metaphor, it- it's a little pleasing. I liked that idea, um, maybe specifically because I think it's introducing a, a different concept to a lot of people that sit and watch Netflix and with what's happening with the world, not just the United States. Maybe it's a little eye-opening. The, the, the translation, the dubbing, was, was really fucking annoying. It made it very difficult to watch. I, I believe I was one of the many people that told you to check it out, but I ended up watching it a few days after I told you, and uh, my second viewing, I don't know why I was... I think maybe I was so impressed with it because what I had just said that it was like, wow, this is a very in-your-face idea for Netflix. This is very progressive for uh, th- this stature of where this movie's coming out on. I like that. And then watching it again, yeah, it's it's good. It's it's pleasing. It's just like I said. Not... I didn't
1: have a problem with the concept per se. It's just the fact that it didn't really do much with the concept. It was pretty evident where this was going the entire time, and there was just no real surprises. Uh, for I mean, it does get brutally violent at times. It does get uh, kind of philosophic at times, but nothing like nothing that would really merit the fact that you took all this time, money, and energy for. Wit is essentially a short film. It's like about 15 minutes worth of content that you spread out over 90 minutes. Uh, again, I don't have too big of problems with it, but I'm hypercritical of everything. That's just who I am. So watch it if you, if you want to, it's not terrible. It's just, it's a little, it's a little bold for me. I like, I mean, even something like the movie network has a very much in your face political message, but it actually does something with that message and with the characters within what message they're trying to tell in this story, this framework of a story and platform just doesn't have that. It just has no framework other than just a concept.
0: Well, I think spare parts definitely had a, a strong family message that you can overcome everything except getting deported by ICE.
1: Yes, yeah, that, that you'll never not be deported by ICE.
0: It could happen. So I guess now it does happen yeah, all the fucking time. Very, very regularly. But in this situation, there's a happy ending for spare parts. A senator fought to get this kid back in the United States, and then he joined the military and went and fought in Iraq, and now he's back doing robots with George Lopez, presumably, and Robert Rodriguez. And uh, the film I was talking about was Ski
1: Patrol, Ah. not Ski School. Ski Patrol. See, I don't know how I could have made the fucking distinction error there. Because there's a big
0: difference. I mean, Ski Patrol, obviously they're doing some sort of service, but Ski School, it would have been a totally different calculation. One would have had Dean Cameron. and It would have probably been good. Probably had a lot of weird rape jokes in it, though, because it was the 80s, and that's what happened. Yes, pretty much. So,
1: we're going to move into uh, the the whole of the show here.
0: We're going to talk about the environment. Captain Planet. It's going to be fun. Well,
1: it's not just we're going to talk about the environment. That is going to be one thing that gets brought up like very much so throughout this episode. But, I mean, the, the base concept is comparing a original piece of film work... And then a remake was made of that original script. And how do they stack up against each other? I mean, it's not something like people have done this before, but it's basically original versus remake. Uh, But we picked a very interesting one for original versus remake, because this is not like Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus the remake or Dawn of the Dead versus the remake. This is the film Long Weekend, up against its remake of Long Weekend, a.k.a. Nature's Grave, uh, and they use the exact same script. So the movies aren't particularly that different.
0: Yeah, that's a concept I'm I'm really intrigued by, and it's it's something that happened with Cabin Fever, that the exact shooting script is what ended up being used, but the differences I feel are incredibly massive and to, to the extent that the remake of Cabin Fever is almost unwatchable because the humor has been completely stripped out of it and it comes down to not Well, just it the director, actually showed but...
1: Eli Roth like he apparently has a vision and a voice. It really made Eli Roth look good because he was able to turn his script of Cabin Fever into kind of a fun, original horror film for that time period. And then when they remake it seriously with the exact same script, it's just complete dog shit.
0: Even something that initially you don't really like, I and mean, not just you, but I feel a lot of people in general, so this is kind of an umbrella statement, but directors acting in their own movies. When you watch Cabin Fever, it's a, at first a bit of annoyance with the Dr. Mambo character and whatever the fucking guy's name was, Skull or Skid, or I i don't remember. He had a really ridiculous name. And then the, the remake, just throwing in somebody random, you should have just hired Eli Roth to reprise the character. It was hysterical, and it would have had... I don't know, something, but a lot of the times what ends up happening when you use the exact same shooting script is you get an incredibly rigid and flaccid product that just has no reflection um, outside of uh, what we use the shooting script. And in the case of the 2008 Long Weekend, that's just not the case. And I feel this is a bold statement and something we'll, we'll try and carry throughout the show, but I think the remake of Long Weekend tells the story better than the 1978 picture, and it's just literally down to acting and the emphasis of the actions of the characters, and that's a a very big key is um, not just humanity, but most general people's ideologies and their thoughts on just even being outdoors and the lack of respect people have for fucking nature in general.
1: And, like, neither of which films is... Particularly bad. I'd say four out of five stars for both of them. They stack up pretty evenly with each other. Um, I think, I I also think the remake does things slightly better, which has a lot to do with the uh, scriptwriter, classic Australian um, screenwriter of Everett Roach, who did pretty much every Australian exploitation film from the 80s that you've seen. Um, And he had a complaint when they made his original script in 78 that the characters in it weren't assholes, big enough assholes at the beginning of the film, and he felt any empathy for them at all. And Jamie Blanks, in his remake in 2008, was able to really take the the leads and make you despise them right off the fucking bat to where you have no empathy. But, but, But that all works within the story. He's not trying to... Everyday Roach is not trying to take these characters and have you stick your you know put you yourself in their shoes as much as it is these are characters who are getting ready to go through something and i'm telling a story about two fucking assholes
0: and you're not so much established in the original movie that they're awful people and it's not again an emphasis that these two characters are specifically awful people it's it's a big statement for kind of everyone and the treatment really of the environment and what you end up dealing with here is a very Hitchcockian kind of thing. It's something quite like the birds and it has, I feel, a lot of similarities to that with, I mean, the, the concept that you have to deal with and is pretty much shoved in your face with the birds is that they get tired of being enslaved and fight back. It's, it's like a reverse planet of the apes. It's kind of weird. And that's because I mean, you have to deal with this concept that all of these creatures, the birds everywhere, decided you know, collectively that they are going to fight back. So in this essence, it's not just creatures and living organisms. It's nature itself. So you have like, a, I mean, to me, a supernatural, almost spiritual aspect that there is an entity inside of nature, that there is. A, an omnipresent, you know, thought process behind the trees and the, the wildlife and the way. Yes,
1: because it's not just a nature run amok film where it's just animals attacking. This is also like every mold grows faster. Bacteria grows faster in this film. It's like like the every living thing is fighting against um, basically humanity or specifically these two pricks.
0: And with both films, the introductions lead with the characters being lost, which is baffling to me. They're going on a camping trip, is what we're dealing with. A husband and wife who do not get along with each other very much are going on a camping trip. They decide to leave in the middle of the fucking day to set up their camp at night, their beachfront camp in Australia where spiders grow the size of Shaquille O'Neal's fucking dick and everything will kill you. They're going to go camping and set up at night, and they get lost, which pursues into arguments. But whilst this happens progressively everything they do is acts of destruction whether it be throwing a cigarette out the car window which starts a fire or hitting a wallaby just and and there's no reaction for it it's like oh shit i hit a fucking wallaby there's oh my cigarette caught fire and it starts i mean and dealing more with the original here the characters aren't developed a lot i guess you could say they they're just kind of silent they bicker a little bit but for the most part there's not a lot of there's not a lot around. of love
1: in this marriage yeah is basically what's going on there's something festering underneath the surface of these two characters you find out more about it later about how kind of awful they are to each other because it's not just a one-way street this is not like an abused spouse they're both abused by each other like they basically just don't get along at all
0: and the remake it's very evident from the start that these two are having a beyond difficult time and the last thing that they need to be doing is going out into the woods alone but when we press on Well, eventually they get to a point that they get to a bar, and everyone at the bar is kind of mysterious toward them. and gives. This this... is
1: in the remake, by the way, because this is where things are going to get, because the bar scene is not in the original.
0: Yeah, the bar scene, too. Did you notice a couple of the people back there?
1: Yeah. uh, God, it was a couple weeks ago since I watched it. I know the the bald guys from fucking Mad Max and a bunch of bunch of other shit
0: and then one of the other guys was i can't remember the character's name but in romper stomper he's the uh the older nazi that comes and visits hondo and everybody toward the the beginning of the movie with his crew from melbourne or whatever there was a a handful i think there's two or three more guys in that scene that are also you know kind of familiar oz exploitation oz exploitation oz exploitation sounds ridiculous oz exploitation actors but there's kind of like a, a jokey scene where the the locals are fucking with jesus it's um jim i always say his last name wrong Cazell? Cazell, is that how you say it? I thought it was like Jesus. I'm just going to call him Jesus. It's the fellow from The Passion of the Christ. They're kind of joking and uh, you know fucking with him a little bit that the place doesn't really exist. And the first time you watch the movie, you get the, the genuine idea that the locals are just kind of screwing with him and making him feel that he's incompetent. But they get ridiculously lost and find, their, find themselves on a the place that their GPS won't even take them to. And in the original movie, it doesn't show up on a map. And they end up kind of stuck in this location. So, again, it kind of gives this driving supernatural aspect that nature, you know, like, you know, when you're watching a slasher movie, you you have the man in the woods, you have Jason Voorhees, you have your killer, you have uh, a presence that is attacking. And in this movie, what I think make in both of them, rather, what makes it a little bit more interesting is you have almost the exact same things that would make a slasher movie, but it's the environment, it's nature. It's almost, it's like the shape from Halloween. It's a it's an unseen foe, Lovecraftian even, you know, a shapeless terror. And But it works very specifically in the presentation of these two people just disliking for each other because you're focused on that as bad things begin to spiral.
1: You're not so sure that, like, especially <clears throat> in the remake, do they kind of make it evident that, I don't know if a nature is rearranging itself to make the like to throw the GP uh, whatever the GPS off or there's something supernatural going on because they're going in circles until they basically end up somewhere. Like it seems like the forest itself resets itself and different and makes you go in circles. It's not just like, you know. Ghosts, or some sort of mutant nature or something. it's it's a lot more ethereal than that. It's a lot more up in the air.
0: And what works for that benefit is you kind of get the feeling that the the characters are going insane, but it's because of each other's actions. And in the original film, again, the, a lot of the plot points that are used in the remake are brought up much earlier in the remake. And then once that is released, It just kind of goes nowhere. You understand that they don't like each other, but they're very passive-aggressive toward their disliking, and there's a lot of scenes that are handled completely differently in the remake. Like, for instance, um, Jesus gets upset over some sugar. Why? You're outside and you're leaving, but it's a very pivotal scene where you can see he's just going to be a dick about whatever he can be a dick about, but both of them do it consecutively. There's not one moment of peace throughout the entire movie. I mean, even the beginning is... The wife wanting to leave the dog with just a bunch of cans of food outside that she cares so little about something he cares about.
1: Yes. uh, Like she I mean, we'll get a little bit deeper into this later. Well, we find out that she has had some sort of abortion at some point and didn't tell her husband about it. Uh, She doesn't particularly care too much about the dog. Um, he cares about the dog, but he cares about the dog as more. He doesn't care about it as a living thing as much as like this totem. Um, it's my dog. I'm a man. I got a dog, but yeah, they don't really have any respect for any of their surroundings. Like everything is mine for the taking and for me to do what I will with it. And kind of where we are at politically with, you know, global warming and, you know, the environment stuff in general is just, well, I'm man, I'm dominant. Fuck all the rest of this. Let's drill for, oil. drill for oil, even though it's going to destroy everything in this environment. That sort of idea.
0: Immediately when they get to the campsite the next day, he just begins cutting down a tree for no reason. Firewood, it's a living tree. It's going to be wet. You can't burn it. It has to dry. So it's just destruction right off the bat. Look how great this is. You know, he, he show, He's shown going swimming and surfing, but he's also shown shooting bottles on the same beach in the ocean that he's swimming in. So I mean, he has literally no care for even his own health with his surroundings. He doesn't care that he's destroying the area that he's living in and not just for him, but for other people. And it's somewhat it's not acknowledged in, in either film and toward toward until toward the end. But there are other campers. There's another family that were shown at the very beginning in a, uh, a Volkswagen pop up bus that I guess is, is camping on the other side of the beach, which they when they come into play. I'm a little confused over that. And when we get there, I'll, I'll bring up and state my confusion. But I don't know if there's supposed to be maybe a representation of of these people versus the other people or if they're all just kind of scumbags. It seems something really bad happens to these people, too. But my entire point, I mean, even bringing up the Dugon and the remake, I thought it was handled a lot better because a baby washes up on shore and, you know, they're very callous. They don't really care what's happened and they just kind of leave it. But as he goes swimming, a shape is following him and eventually he has a rifle and just fires off into the ocean at this shape without any, I mean, no fins were spotted, nothing bad happened, and he was out of the water. And it turns out it was a dugon that, you know, eventually floats up on shore but mysteriously continues to move, though degrading and very much dead.
1: You might want to explain what a dugon is because I don't oh, think, yeah. like, that's not a very,
0: like, it's out a, it's there a, term. A sea cow? Commonly they were mistaken as Kind of like a manatee sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, a manatee, there we go. I was gonna go like um, historical. They were they were originally thought to be mermaids by pirates and sailors in the 1880s. But yeah, they they if you live in Florida, you can see them off the coast quite regularly. And other countries, I guess we haven't com- completely killed them off. But yeah, the sea cow.
1: Yeah, and um, there are all these different things in nature. And like uh, more specifically, we'll talk about the uh, the the remake as opposed to the original. But they are like so carbon copy to each other. Like we can even down the dialogue. most of this stuff into both films, so... Um... Well, I mean,
0: they even use some colloquial Australian terms like the term chook for a chicken that later on in the remake, it's exactly delivered the exact same way even though the character is now American. So they didn't even, you know, do rewrites to make an addition that this character is from a different place or that he might have a different personality. It has no bearing that Jim is American. It does not matter. It's not a clever nod toward Americans being destructive. He was just really good at being a dick for that role. So they didn't bother rewriting it. I mean, you could take that emphasis, sure. It's there. I mean, it's it's evident casting an American with very other talented Australian actors that I'm sure they could have used. But that's, I don't think, a really important point to things, you know? Yeah. And really what we're at the heart of here is this couple
1: who has no love for each other and has honestly no love for anything around them. Yeah, they don't seem
0: to enjoy anything. I mean, they don't seem to enjoy work or their life. His idea of camping is just going and getting shit-faced with all the comforts of home pretty much in the woods. So they're not even, like, enjoying nature. They're not taking anything
1: she doesn't want to be out there at all. He is basically taking her out there to torture her because he thinks it's funny.
0: Well, they're going to um, meet friends, too. We neglected to bring that up, that friends of theirs, and this is uh, – I'm a little confused by this. Their friends don't show up, but in the remake, I couldn't help but notice that the friend's wife had some name like Moon Rose or – or Stone something. She had some really hippy-dippy name. And with what you just brought up, it, it, the GPS kind of recalculating and pushing them to a spot it almost wanted them to be at, it makes me wonder if their friends never showed up because they weren't hateful. They didn't have a, a lack of respect, you know, that maybe they get, did an emphasis on it being a hippy name, and that's why they didn't show up, because the you know atmosphere, the, the jungle, the rainforest recalculated. I don't know. I'm just... It's not a Well, party. I mean,
1: <laughs> I, I can't remember if in the remake, but it definitely in the original, like when they're in the car and they're passing the uh, the family in the uh, the dub bus, like they're arguing. So, there's a hint that the people there were also pieces of shit as well. And that's probably why nature attacks them,
0: ok. that um, I was that's going to clear up some stuff later on. but i the the friend angle definitely, I guess, is a theory or a fan theory more on anything else that because they gave her a hippie name, that's maybe why she you know she loved the I don't that's know.
1: possible. I mean, because really, what it seems like the heart of the movies uh, together is basically human is humanity is cancerous. That this kind of cancerous boil on the earth is destroying everything around it, so nature takes its course and starts to try to wipe out the cancer. Um, Just
0: like that M. Night Shyamalan movie with Mark Wahlberg. You know that one where he believably is a science teacher?
1: So much more ambiguous and not fucking stupid.
0: Um, yeah, And the only thing that's, that's specifically stupid about that movie is you slapping the audience in the face by trying to make Mark Wahlberg a believable science teacher. That's just fucking downright insulting. And, you know, I, I do mean that as an insult to Mark Wahlberg. I definitely do. You like hot do. dogs?
1: <laughs> hot dogs are perfect. Um, but, like, I, as opposed to the, the original, opposed to the uh, the remake, one of the things I think the remake does a little bit better besides the character stuff, besides making these people a lot more dis- despicable, is um, the tone of it, um, the music, makes everything a hell of a lot more... Um, more exploitive and horror kind of, in my eyes anyway, it helps a little bit that the, has com- some sort of ominous soundtrack going on in the background. And the way it's shot is a little bit more dynamic than the original, but it's, some of that is because you're talking about a 1978 movie. You're also talking about people who were kind of not 100% experienced in the film industry. I mean, I'm not saying they were amateurs at all by any means, the original film, but it's just like filmmaking has gone a long way since 78. So, I mean, take that for what you will. And Jamie Blanks, for the most part, is a pretty decent filmmaker. I barely liked anything he's made. Um, Oh, come on, you don't like uh, Valentine? Yeah, he directed uh, Valentine, Urban Legend, um, Stormfront, and he directed this remake of Long Weekend. And I think, he should. I don't think he's made any movies lately. I think he should get back to directing as opposed to just doing music and editing. And he did the music for this remake of Long Weekend, and it's actually pretty decent. I mean, it kind of makes it a little bit more foreboding and makes everything a little bit creepier, um, whereas the first one feels a little bit more uh, kind of base 70s nature, run amuck type film. Uh, but it, they both have the core inner heart to what they're trying to say. And if you do like any of these characters... If you do root for them, you've got a fucking problem because they are awful. They're just they have no respect for anything, not like whether it be nature or even humanity in itself. They just they're just below the piles of fucking garbage.
0: Oh, there, there are some things to emphasize on that that I'll bring up later when we get there. But I believe Long Weekend 1978 was Colin Eggleston's second film. I'm not 100% on that, but regardless, I wouldn't say unnecessarily inexperienced, but with what they had at the time, the movie plays off much more kind of as a period art film, and by period I mean of the time of the late 70s. It's got a kind of Vaseline lens, everything is very soft, and the biggest issue is it's established and you understand exactly what you just brought up with the remake, that these characters are very despicable, but... You are almost allowed to feel some sympathy for one or the other, depending on, I guess, who, you know, if you're male or female, kind of. It comes down to the middle of whatever your thought process is. And in the remake, it's very, very acknowledged that they're just awful. And it has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with their roles as husband and wife and what one did to the other. They're equally uh, detestable human beings. And, again, you hit the, the nail on the head. They just have no respect for anything. And once things progress more, once the sea cow washes up on shore, both of them begin to degrade even more to just uh, the food starts constantly turning. There's nothing. One character, the husband is drinking all the time. So his mental state is just becoming more and more aggressive. And finally, they decide that they're going to leave. But he wants to go check on the campers that were down the beach. And this is where I get confused with what happens to them, why it happened. And then uh, a bigger emphasis on what you had just said, how callous and careless these people are. Once you've seen that this entire family has been wiped out, his entire reaction to his wife was, I don't know, I think there's a murder-suicide, let's go. He doesn't care. He has no shocker reaction that there are three human lives that you know let's go to the police. Let's get out of here. We need to call authorities. Something awful is happening. I dunno, it was murder suicide, maybe. Let's just get out of here, you stupid bitch. And they just they start going back and forth like a fucking tennis match, with no care that Not only is everything around them spiraling out of control, they've tried to leave and they can't find their way out, but the other campers are fucking dead. And in the original film, it's not as horrifying when you find the bodies. It's kind of basic. In the remake, I think it was one of the most horrifying aspects of the movie and kind of, again, like a big, like a point in a slasher film where you find the bad guy's hideout or you unveil the mask that you kind of fully understand here that something beyond our grip is going on and we just don't quite understand. And it's, it's possibly nature. I don't know. It's just how the deaths are all presented. Like I don't, I'm asking too many questions. How did the van get in the water? What happened to the wife? I don't know.
1: Well, like one of the things that really works in both of these films is you go into it knowing generally what's going to happen. It is going to be nature run amok. But at the same time, there is a certain degree of not knowing really what's happening. I mean, you know, ultimately the conclusion of where we're going here, but just you don't particularly understand why the things are happening and how they're happening. Well, is is there a, was there a chemical to the spill? But it's like it, it's all that is irrelevant, what's relevant is weird little things start happening the entire time and it builds and it builds and it builds until like everybody starts going fucking ape shit and nuts towards the end. So it's not just a flat note of so like a movie like frogs that, yeah, the Sam Elliott film where it's just obviously that like, well, all these reptiles and shit are coming to kill us. Let's hole up in the mansion. Now this is a lot more distant on what it's really about because it's not just, just like some strike where nature's trying to kill them. It, Feels more than anything. Nature's trying to fuck with them. Hardcore fuck with them before it kills them. I mean, probably my favorite scene in the film, not so much in the original, but in the remake, is um, the male character gets attacked by uh, a giant fucking eagle. eagle, And after he saves himself, or after he bats the eagle away, the wife comes out and stares at him. And he's like kind of laughing his ass off, half drunk, going, I just got attacked by an eagle. Eagles don't attack. (laughs) He's just like almost like he's kind of uh, he's kind of out of his mind a little bit, but he also finds it hilarious. It's just a really nice little performance touch by Jim Cazell. But uh, personally, I, I'm not a big fan of the the actor himself. He's got some politics I don't particularly agree with, but whatever. I mean, we're not getting into that.
0: Well, it's like my beloved Dwight Schultz. You just gotta look past the guy and look at the wonderful performance as I daily do with Howlin' Mad Murdoch, Captain Howlin' Mad Murdoch on the A-Team because he is a hardcore uh, dildo in real life. But hey, you know what? It, you're allowed to, to do that. On the other hand, though... He's a conservative Republican, and Jim has some statements about the female body I can't get behind. And it's kind of, I guess, funny um, that his character ends up in this movie. I I specifically – there's a scene that – it's a very awful scene where you find out that the wife has had an abortion. And it's just – to me, it's so funny because she yells at him like – you don't like kids and just so manic. Like I love children. I just wanted to have a little kid that I could take surfing, a son. Uh, fuck yeah. you and they have this, Again, you know, fuck you moment. It's not even can...
1: about the child, it's about what I wanted to do yes. with the child, it, yeah. what I wanted to turn the child into. Not like
0: I could like take him surfing, human to raise and learn. No. I could turn it into me. I lo- and it, it's just the the uh, they do this like and they're they're right next to each other in the car and there's this up close fuck you. Well, no. Fuck you! Like, they're they're fucking children. They're just absolutely beyond... I mean, even children actually aren't as quite infantile as these two. And what it, it, what's even more intriguing is it's almost like they have specifically stayed together to continue making each other as miserable as possible. Because if I can't be happy, why the hell should you be able to be happy? And that is, you know, again, like you brought up, nature almost tortures them. It's like, again, like a slasher when one of the victims has been caught and they keep them alive for a little while. Nature has recognized this. It's not like I'm punishing you because you started a fire. Smokey the bear is not like, you know, out leering in the dark. It's just, you know, this it, this, this presence. Nature has made a decision pretty much that you guys aren't worthy of the gift of life. And I don't mean it as like a religious or philosophical thing of God looking down because it really there isn't some religious feel to it it truly I, and i a supernatural might be the wrong words for it because that gives you some sort of jest that it it's ghosts or demonic and it absolutely isn't i think it's not even like echo horror i think it's as natural as anything possibly could be and it's just sometimes nature fights back and i don't mean that you see people all the time now saying that covid19 is mother nature fighting back <sighs> it's not that situation, because for one, this is a movie. And when the people die in the movie, it's not people dying in real life. When you make an ignorant statement like that, you're pretty much shrugging off the amount of people that are actually dying. It's not Mother Nature refreshing the Earth, you asshole. I mean, what if it was your parents or grandparents that died? But that's a completely different rant. But, at the, you know, it, I'm just going with Long Weekend.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I mean... Kind of what I was stating before is like the torture aspect. Nature seems to want to punish these people more than anything. And what's worse? Have being decapitated with a machete or being stabbed? like a million times with toothpicks. And that's kind of what nature is doing in this film. It's just stabbing them a million little times. It's it's not like I got bit by a rattlesnake. No, I'm getting attacked by a couple of little ants and that's kind of annoying. And nature in itself is just kind of annoying them and torturing them and pestering them until, you know, the grand finale when nature drives basically the, the male lead into being attacked by humanity.
0: You almost kind of get the feeling, too, that initially nature might just be fucking with them and didn't have such a devastating idea. In like a mind. warning? Yeah, you know, maybe if you cleaned up a little bit and weren't such a dick, we would open the road and the GPS might start working and your friends would show up. But they progressively degrade each other and, and just descend into being nasty. They have no respect down to even their own food, down to their own provisions of what they brought for themselves And two, a lot of, like, monetary stuff is brought up and thrown around. The wife regularly brings up how he dropped $10,000 for this so they could have all the comforts of home outside. So it wasn't even for them to go camping. This was just to get fucked up and, you know, essentially abuse your temple. So, oh my God damn it. Maybe there is a bit of a <laughs> a religious aspect. I mean, it doesn't have to be religious. Respecting your fucking body uh, doesn't have to be religious. Respecting the environment doesn't have to be religious. Temples and tenets of certain Judaic Christian fucking ideologies don't have to be taken so seriously. It's just a matter of you know you're you're going out to be destructive and do nothing. And it's not just the environment and nature. It's yourself, your 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 spouse. Uh, who knows how deep it could have continued if something hadn't stepped in.
1: Well, see, like I, I I will differ with you a little bit on this because I don't want to take you out of context, but it seems like what you're trying to say is like maybe nature is giving them kind of an opportunity. And I think with the way the ending is and just to spoilers again, he, he ends up getting hit by a truck, which echoes the very beginning of the film as soon as he hits the, uh, the uh, kangaroo, with his car, I think their fucking fate was written down right there. It's just like, no, you're fucking dead.
0: Well, both films show the truck driver at the beginning of the film. So the truck driver is established and what's even more interesting is what type of truck is it? It's a livestock truck.
1: Yeah, I mean so I think that like the entire time they're not making it out of this. There was there was literally zero hope for them because they are that cancer and nature is just shedding that off of its back like fleas.
0: I feel the original movie gives more of the idea that it's a warning as to where the remake it's kind of set in stone that there is no, well, you know, I I don't want to say there is no getting out that I think it might be more toward the sea cow execution. uh, We'll call it that, that things are really, you know, marked and that's when it aggressively starts to turn. And uh, I think even the pacing of the music and how the movie is filmed becomes much more intense. And there, I think that kind of encapsulates what, Negativity is going to happen. That for every action, there's a reaction. Because after he hits. I mean, because he does. At the beginning of the movie, there's multiple naughty things. I mean, he throws the cigarette out and starts a fire. He hits the wallaby or the the kangaroo or whatever the hell it was. They get to the campsite and he immediately starts cutting down the trees. Um, Right after that, the wife goes fucking crazy with the bug spray. I mean, you're in nature attacking an anthill with bug spray. Move your table. Just move the table a couple meters away, man. That's all it would have taken. But they're just aggressive to the extent that you know even like in school somebody picks on you and hits you you keep letting them do it they're going to keep doing it now unfortunately you probably shouldn't hit somebody back but that's my advice you fucking hit them in the face and that's what nature did they they punched them a few I mean I, I'm just speculating with the original film that it punched them a few times and it wasn't until the sea cow execution that it really was like okay we're going to have to do something about this but I the tension and the the mood and I just think how negative the characters are in the remake. I'm going to have to agree with you more or less because there is there is a lot of futility. It doesn't seem like there's really any hope. And even toward the first, oh, the first ten minutes of the movie, you you how you you already kind of get the feeling like, well, these two aren't going to make up. This isn't one of those movies where they go out and find each other and and realize they love each other in the woods. Something's going to fucking happen.
1: Well, and come to think of it, just sitting here talking about the movies right now. Who are the only people that de- like destroy in the film? Honkies? Every death is by a human, because he ultimately ends up shooting his wife. Nature doesn't even kill her, and nature doesn't kill him. And it seems like nature doesn't kill the people in the BMW, or the BMW, the V-Dub bus, because it looks like a murder-suicide. doesn't mean it is, but at the same time, we're hinting at all these things that man is its own destructor we we can amplify this a little bit, but they're going to end up
0: destroying themselves. That clears up now my confusion of how the bodies are placed. And that's really what is throwing me off is how did this all come into place? So uh, what you just said really pushes that, that the dad drowns the daughter in the bus, kills the wife, hangs himself. Again, it's all at their own hands. It is distinctly human. And the handling of the wife's death in the remake, I, I, I thought was just kind of wonderful. And the, the original film, again, it's somewhat placid and... He shows shock, but not a lot of remorse. And for the very, very first time, you actually see a little bit. And I don't even think it's so much that he cares because I don't remember what he says. But when he he grabs her and goes to like baby talk and goes into a little bit of shock. And I think more or less what you're realizing is that it's not that he killed his wife. It's that, oh, shit, I killed my wife. I'm going to have to explain this. I got to get out of here. And his just level of of manic fucking fright is kind of wonderful.
1: Oh, yeah, because at that point, he's completely lost his fucking shit. Um, and I guess like this is just a statement uh, on the world as a whole, uh, compared to nature, compared to man's actions on its, its own being or humans. Let's not get too sexist about it, because men and women can equally be pieces of shit. Um, that what have you heard in the press lately is, well... The cure could be worse than the virus. The virus is ultimately survivable if you just act smart. Well, more people are going to die from suicides. Why are you going to commit suicide? Because I lost things that I'd spent years trying to achieve and money and all these things. Like, all that is fucking nil. Who cares about any of that? You're alive. That's the important thing. But it just seems to be that's what people are so concerned about is what I had or what I can still, like, what's that matter? You're alive. That's the only thing that matters. Like, a, a a system that inappropriately, like, puts a hierarchy around you and all that. Like, none of this shit matters to you. Like, it's all—that's—money's the most important thing. It's not
0: even so much money. It's not—it's not, it's people's dumb stuff. It's their ability to do things. You know, I feel like I'm living in Nazi Germany because the government told you you can't go to the bar. Shut up. Just— Just shut up for a second and look around you. And again, it's like I went on this rant at the beginning of the show. It's not just about you. One person infects two people. Two people infect so many other people. It just will spiral out of control. And it's evident. You know, like the president tells you that this is going to be over with. It's going to come back. A second wave of this is going to come back. And again, you're not going to be able to go to the bar. And what are you going to do? Riot? I don't understand the thought process or the concept behind Man's it. Man's
1: its own worst enemy.
0: Well, People want things. People just have an incessant need instead of being able to be. There's nothing wrong with just being. There's nothing wrong with surviving. Everything that you have, you can obtain again. And if you can't, what was it that was so livable that you now can't live without? What Hierarchy. necessity?
1: Hierarchy. I lost my place on the fucking ladder. I got to work capitalism. my way back up. Yeah, that's what everybody does. You know how many times everything in my life has collapsed? And I had to build shit from scratch like 12, 15 times. I ain't that fucking
0: old. And you know what happens? You just deal with it. You you just move you deal on. With it. You know, you lose some shit and you gain some shit and maybe you can progress forward and that you can educate yourself with changing. And that's kind of what you get a, a general idea of with this movie is that, well, maybe they're going to go out there and they're going to learn something about each other. But. The negativity continues and continues and continues, and that's a a place where we're at right now pretty much in society, that it's just nonstop arguing of people either completely denying it, the government created this, this is a lie to take our rights away. The government's lying to us to keep us in—okay, you can be in one corner, and then you have the other people that, you know, like I have protesters in my town that are walking around with signs that say, you know, if I get the Rona, it's Jesus' will the fuck's wrong with you too both of you but all you're all idiots dumb motherfucker you know and it's like darwin awards i guess maybe should start being handed out a lot more to the general public but what completely baffles me is people's absolute lack and uh love of of living the the non-understanding of it might not matter how miserable you are but there's a whole race and world of people outside of you that does want to live and doesn't care about materialistic ideas i mean it's great and fine to have an awesome movie collection, but if you fucking lose it, what happens? You get Shutter and watch them there. I mean, there's a thousand ways that you can fix problems, but what people enjoy more is focusing on the problem. Well, this bad thing happened to me. Yeah, but haven't like a hundred good things happened since then that you're not going to focus on? It's just the one bad thing.
1: Well, and that speaks to the the film in itself because, and I don't want to get off in a abortion fucking debate here about anything. but ultimately, the female character does have an abortion. It's her right. I'm not saying that it isn't. But she looked at something living as a hassle to her everyday life of what she wanted and where she wanted to go. That's another statement on why nature has just kind of done with humanity in this in this film is just you just kept worrying about yourself and you were just selfish about everything again not an abortion fucking debate it's just a concept we're working with here
0: well, in the remake when that whole scene is unveiled the discussion kind of leads you to believe that the husband had pushed her into having a relationship with somebody else and that when she became pregnant she sort of suggested that it wasn't his As he felt it, it was his, and she got the abortion because it was his, and she didn't. So there's this whole tangle of me, 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 me. me At the end of the day,
1: what she ended up doing was having an abortion out of spite, not for like saving, not because I can't feed this child, not because of the. She literally did it to fucking irk him, to piss him off, to fuck with him, which is probably not the best reason to have an abortion
0: within the context delivered in this film it's an absolutely poor reason and a pretty bad idea and again his reaction though is the i just wanted to have a little surfer buddy so neither of these people should have been parents i I guess your reason
1: for not wanting to have a baby are bad and your reasons for wanting to have a baby are bad
0: can we meet in the middle on this somehow i just wanted him to be woody harrelson in my own personal remake a surfer dude
1: that Is that a weird. reference?
0: That was a Surfer Dude joke. I don't think I've seen Surfer Dude with Woody Harrelson. It, it also stars Matthew McConaughey and Willie Nelson. I'm good. And uh, <laughs> probably not gonna be seeing that. Finch, Finchner, William Finchner, I think the guy from the uh, the beginning of that. Finkner. No, Fitner, yeah, from the, from the Batman movie, the banker. Yes. Uh-huh, yeah, uh huh. Yeah. Oh, so. The Batman
1: movie, he's been in so much other shit, and he's known for five minutes of fucking Dark Knight.
0: Yeah, but if I had referenced that fucking Mark Wahlberg fisherman movie, you would have just gone over the hill. Go? He was in Go? No, the one with John C. Riley and George Clooney. Perfect Storm. Perfect Storm, yeah. He's in a perfect storm. There's another I've seen reference. A Perfect
1: Storm. I didn't like A Perfect
0: Storm. Yeah, I got the point, but it's just not my style of film. But Surfer Dude, on the other hand, places Matthew McConaughey is a world-famous surfer who gets brought into fitner's company that they're trying to make a surf video game, and things go wrong. He smokes a lot of weed with Willie Nelson and hangs out with his buddy, I don't even remember. This is
1: neither fish nor fowl. Why are we speaking of Surfer Dude?
0: I don't know. I felt now that I brought it up, I should entertain the idea of Surfer Dude, but I can't even... uh, Okay, I'm going to cut a lot of that out. (laughs) But overall, to the complexity
1: of the story we're trying to tell here, it's a multi-layered idea through the guise of a nature run-amok film. It's not as kind of base as... Uh, Day of the Animals or Wild Beasts or Grizzly or any of those sorts of things. I definitely things. Just, I think mean,
0: it's, it's a Hitchcockian kind of thing. I mean, I don't like using that term, but it, it really gives you, again, very multi layered and has a lot of different positions and feels to it. And I think it is some, somewhat similar to the birds.
1: And the entire thing is basically told, I mean, if this was even theoretically possible, This is as close as you're going to get. It's told through the POV of nature itself. These are like these are villains. These humans are villains. You are a plant in this film. That's what you are. That's what you're watching. You might as well be on top of like a bird in the tree watching them yell at each other, and you're just shaking your head. And so that's kind of an interesting concept we're working with here. That in most of these films, even again to reference frogs again, because it's another nature run among film there's there's heroes at the end of that people that survive you don't want any of these people to survive because they're fucking up your existence as a plant or a bird or an ant or anything else you just want yeah. this cancer gone
0: i mean to throw in another nature run amuck reference this entire family is leslie nielsen and day of the animal you don't want him to live you want him to get naked and fight the bear and fucking die and it's great when it happens spoiler yeah.
1: Well, it's just just kind of an interesting perspective for Everett de Roach to take in this film to be so negative from the outset and to give you no one to root for because that's fairly unheard of in films. Most of the time you have to have a protagonist, you have to have some sort of hero. And the protagonist protagonist in this is a it's a thing. It's a concept. It's not even like one specific thing. It's all things in nature. That you are the the perspective of, which is just, it's kind of interesting if you look at it in that perspective.
0: I feel it's not specifically anti-human in the sense that it possibly can serve as a warning to maybe address just social behavior and how you are. I mean, it's something that I think after you watch it is thought-provoking enough that maybe you'll think twice about just throwing your cigarette out or maybe some other idiotic behavior you might have Uh, but at the same time you'd referenced way earlier in the show if you do have any sympathy for these characters something's fucking wrong with you so if you watch this film and see nothing wrong and, and don't quite get it then it could possibly just be you
1: yeah i mean it just it depends on where you were at or on the spectrum of not even so much politics, but is more of philosophic concepts and ideas. And if you don't have any philosophy, if it's all math, you're the stock market. And the stock market is completely anti-human. It's just math. It doesn't figure in um, error. It doesn't figure in sympathy or empathy or any of those things. And that's when we get to something like Long Weekend to be in the perspective of something that is kind of an idea, a concept. It's just somewhat refreshing to see a movie like that to where it's not just so... It is heavy-handed, but it's not so heavy-handed tipped in the perspective of these garbage humans or humanity in general.
0: Recently we were discussing Mario Bava on a past episode, and I had brought up that a lot of Bava's work was... I'm somewhat anti-human, maybe that's okay. It wasn't really anti-human, but he definitely addressed the destructive nature of human beings. And I have I've said throughout this this entire episode that both long weekends kind of have a slasher-esque feel to them and just us discussing it is it, kind of opened up for me. This especially the remake does remind me of a Mario Bava movie and I think a lot of the messages specifically with like Bay of Blood are very upheld in this movie, because everyone that is killed in Bay of Blood, out of all the victims, all of them were trying to do something to the Bay, all of them were trying to do something to take away from the natural essence of the Bay, and wanted something selfishly out of it for themselves, and somewhat were punished. So you could even take, you know, uh, this as a precursor, Bay of Blood as a precursor, because Nature sort of handles them, and then at the end of the movie, the the greatest scene, the greatest ending, you know, with the the, the kids shooting the parents, nature truly wins by uh, defiling, you know, or deflowering innocence in in an essence, you know, just to use a weird phrase of terminology, but... You know, I don't know, I'm just drawing a comparison between these two and this the hypertension and the very unique feeling that this movie manages to, Long Weekend manages to blend with the Echo Terror kind of feel. Because you just can't get over that there is this looming presence. That there is a masked killer, and what's so unique about that is the masked killer is everything. It's everywhere. And like that fucking M. Night Shyamalan movie, it's a Chemical, it's a. The plants can acknowledge it, but well, there's a reason. And the, what happens when you give something too much of a reason and too much of an explanation is you've taken the fear and the horror away behind it. So, this open ending of did nature do it or were they just kind of crazy? You're allowed to manipulate and think for yourself and have a little bit of free will with your emotions to view this as both of them, uh, both films are all three, Bay of Blood, Long Weekend 78, Long Weekend 2008, as kind of pro-environmentalist art pieces kind of i mean i don't know Bava was really before his time and i will i will say long weekend 78 was very far before its time
1: and as you're speaking about like the slasher film just a bit ago in more modern slasher films they've created all dickhead characters that you just want to see die and that's how most modern slashers play out and this valentine uh, or
0: urban legend for example
1: yeah, and this is an early adopter of that same concept, but it works. I don't know if it's because I can't get behind some mass mutated killers killing these people, because it just all seems like a big shit show to me And a lot of modern I think really what films, it is, but... is
0: is what they do and the type of person you specifically are. You know, you, you aren't going to go outside and do any of these things. You're not going to go out of your way ever to shoot another living creature. Your mentality, you as a person you see their behavior and how despicable it is, it offsets you immediately. And it's not like some Jocko asshole date rape joke just trying to, like, let's look at, um, I Know What You Did Last Summer, almost no redeemable characters. They're all, uh, like, Scream, too. All of them are ridiculously rich, richer than any of us were as teenagers. They're all shallow. You don't care about any of them. Okay, they're handsome and they have nice hair. That means absolutely nothing to me. These characters in Long Weekend were real people and they're just... Dicks. And what is effective is if specifically you aren't a dick, it, it affects you, which, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, what I, I guess what I'm saying is, I don't think you're a dick, buddy. Oh.
1: Well, I guess in like the more modern slasher stuff, you have to come to respect that these people may be assholes, but this killer doesn't really have the right just to murder people because they're assholes or whatever. It's hard to get behind that killer. But in this, you can kind of really see and get behind nature as the killer because nature is completely blameless in the situation and it almost has a right to kill these people uh, <laughs> that seems a little dark but i mean you can actually feel that in this film and, and as opposed to like one of those modern slashers i just can't get behind the the idea of like someone killing someone else due for for revenge or any of these other things you No, know, like depending i spit on your grave is an exception
0: I think one of the problems when you're watching something like a slasher film, especially a modern slasher film, too, is a, a personal beliefs so that it's not always fun just watching people die. You just you don't you, even if there's a justifiable reason, like, you know, when I was in high school, they pushed me out of a window and years later I came back and I killed them all. Uh, all right. I get it. Or you have like Cropsy. They burned the guy and he came back and he, uh, he, he he killed some people, but he didn't kill the people that burned him. He just killed some people. So there's not any. Uh, you know, like, all right, I, I'm totally behind you. Michael Myers came back because he... What? I guess he wanted to kill more people? Okay, there's no... I don't... I, I feel bad. And I get the entertainment value, and I love watching gore films, and I love watching slasher pictures, and I, I completely, as a horror fan, get where the fun comes from. But when you have a, a no-mask killer, when you have this presence, there is such... Uh, there's a different level of fear, and I think you're allowed to almost root for death. I think for once... You And like with uh, Day of the Woman, you're allowed to hope for the worst because what you've been given and the examples of humanity are so negative and so poor, you just you, – you don't want things to be good at the end of the day. So you get that get-out-of-jail-free card with wanting – death and dismal and, and horrible things to happen, and that's very rare, and like early Giallo and slasher films have a lot of that feeling. <laughs> Just to bring it up again, hatchet for the honeymoon, you kind of want some of these people to die, because they suck, and it's so hard to say that as a, as a human, because you don't want anyone to die, but again, also to you have the four walls of a movie, but if you start wanting people to die left and right in movies, where does that stop you in real life? I mean... Well, Well, it makes
1: the experience way more empty. And that's a problem with modern slashers is we just don't have a concept that an audience can get behind because the audience you're trying to attract are people who are just, I just want to see special effects and stuff happen. I don't want to care about characters, but that's what made old 80s slasher films work is you actually did care about the characters and you don't want to see people die. But at the same time, you do want to see them die because that's the fun of watching them and in a modern sense on all these films it's just i don't give a fuck what happens to any of these fuckers these like paper thin plastic ass characters i don't care what the killer is a fucking douchebag as well it's kind of like um i know a lot of people have a hard time watching um it's always sunny i can get into it's always sunny because it um it is completely reprehensible characters, but that's who we were laughing at is the reprehensible characters. Because um, most of the people they encounter throughout the show are, for the most part, okay people unless they turn them into pieces of, sh- pieces of shit with their, with their actions. And a lot of people can't watch the show because there's no one to root for in that spe- aspect. And I get that with a modern slasher film. There's just no one for me to care about. It just seems like violence for the sake of violence... In some senses, that can work, but not always. And that's where a lot of this stuff gets kind of cheapened. And I think Long Weekend actually makes the, the fact that it draws it out and in the fact that it forces almost the human characters to kill each other, to like commit those acts itself, and is nature almost becomes completely blameless in the situation. All it did was irritate them to the point of bad shit really happening. And that's really what ultimately happens in long weekend is they just get irritated and freak the fuck out and do what humans do, which is destroy.
0: And that's our unfortunate inherent nature. Um, let's look at like Chaz Ballin and what he had to say and how he felt about Nacho Sarday's aftermath. Which I kinda like that movie. I'll be honest. I, and by I like that movie. It's pretty, yes, but exactly. story-wise, it's a pile of shit. Well there I don't feel that that's that's Chaz's problem, that's my problem, your problem. There is no story, but it's it's substance or it's just substance. You know, there's there's nothing to look at outside of this is shot excellently. This is color corrected excellently. This looks really, really great. And it's fun to watch because of how fantastic it looks. And, like, there's a, a film called Atraz, which is, I, I don't know, this is vague and I think maybe an insult to Atraz, but it's similar to August Underground. It's like the Mexican August Underground. But it's, <laughs> sorry, August Underground fans, much more well-produced, it's linear, it has a story, and although it's incredibly graphically violent, it—it it is linear and has a meaning for it. And August Underground, I guess I'm going to, use Chaz again as my defense for this. Chaz Ballen was not a fan of the first August Underground film. He thought it was violence for the sake of violence. For the most part, specifically the first movie is. Mortem attempts to tell, uh, I guess, a bit more of a story. But why I'm bringing these up is the, the representations of these characters. And like Atroz, you're given two bad guys and a good guy that is equally pretty much as bad. And you follow these characters throughout the entire movie. But something like August Underground, by the time you get to the third movie, they're just all awful. You, I'm so tired of rooting for them. There's no rooting. It's just graphic scenes of violence that are constantly thrown at you and there's no one to root for. Uh, for the most part, you might recognize some friends of yours if you're into the scene and that's about it, or you know somebody that was in an August Underground movie. And I don't mean this as like a, a completely negative review because I own them, I enjoy them, I, I like Tag. I like Jeremy, I like Fred but for the most part it's very similar to nacho saturday's aftermath it's violence explicitly for the sake of violence and what's incredibly dismal about that is just just no hope is offered i mean even in some of the friday the 13th you start caring for a character like poor wheelchair boy when he finally gets whacked and goes down the stairs you you are upset over that you spent the entire movie feeling bad for this prick and he's about to get a fucking hand job and jason comes out of nowhere and ruins everything that sucks but That's the point. It sucks. You felt something outside of, well, they got gutted and somebody fucked their intestines and now they're screaming in a bathtub. And again, I don't it's I'm not just trying to completely be dismal about the work of of Fred Vogel. I I enjoy his work. I enjoy his art. And, you know, I, I don't mean it as a completely pissing contest, but trying to make a representation of where we were at earlier with Mario Bava and Echo Terror and the emotions of people and then you translate something like Aftermath or the first August Underground film, there's just a level that's missing between these two things. And when you don't have somebody to root for, you don't have hope, at the end of the day, you don't have really anything but violence.
1: Well, at the end of the day, what it ends up being is, here's a bunch of slaughterhouse footage. How did that make you feel? That was kind of fucked up, and that's about all it makes me feel. It doesn't make me it doesn't give take me on any highs and any lows. It just takes me on one consecutive low and that's the entire thing. It's it's kind of like a William Burroughs idea of naked lunch. It's like look at the violence. That is what it is. This is what violence is. But at the end of the day, there's other things around that concept. There are other ideas besides this is absolute truth because watching nothing but absolute truth does not give you much hope for fucking life. It just depresses you and <laughs> makes you sink down in a pit of depression. Yeah, there's some really fucked up people in the world. Any, okay, they're just fucked up people, and I just got to get used to it. All right. And that's what you're left with.
0: Bringing Burroughs into this, there is always a level of hope throughout everything. I mean, you have his entire trilogy that was used, you know, the cut and paste series pretty much, where he wrote something and then cut it all up and reformed a story, and he did... I mean, Naked Lunch is sort of the precursor to all that, but he th- did a three major books using this style, and they all tell a similar story to something like Naked Lunch, a, a dystopic, horrible future, but everyone you're introduced to and in all the characters at least have some relevance and, and importance and a point, and... A lot of the ultra hardcore gore movies, all you're being shown is is like an effects reel, and they're great effects reels. They're they're fine, but by the end of the movie, you haven't taken anything outside of that. And it's not that it's problematic. View art however you want to, and take it however the hell you want to, and make it however you want to. Uh, it it just to me, in my humble opinion and my review, it just doesn't do anything. It just, I mean, something... it's a one time watch.
1: It's a yeah. It's a geek show. It's I saw the man bite the head out the live chicken. I paid fifty cents and now I'm moving on. And I'm going to tell my grandkids about it in twenty years. I mean that's literally. It's just like it's it's a one time deal of I skydive and this is what happened. And I'm not into skydiving. I'm more into being on the ground discussing skydiving and <laughs> the ups and downs and the joys of that. Not just taking a leap and that because that's once you like jumped out of plane once. That's it. It's the same thing with murder because a lot of people have this what are my biggest fears?
0: Well, you've got to look at adrenaline junkies like point break. There's always going to be surfers and guys that want to jump out of the plane and do the seven year storm, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with intaking art that way, but, but you can only do that once. I just prefer something like long weekend because it even makes me feel different. It makes me realize my behavior and the impact and the reaction and reaction the re- the actions and reactions that I have with every person that I come in contact with and I interrupted you you were bringing up um yeah, I think your last sentence was, I have a huge fear. So we were getting somewhere interesting.
1: Well, it's just, it's that, it's the threshold. It's the, there's a lot of people who join the military because I want to know what it feels like to kill somebody. And I like, want to go to strange I don't and know.
0: interesting lands and kill the locals.
1: Well, there's a lot of people who just want to know what it feels like to kill somebody. And I don't want to know what it feels like to kill somebody because I already have a good idea of what it feels like to kill somebody. And that is nothing. It feels like anything else feels. It feels like fucking nothing. And if you find out it feels like nothing, ooh, then it means nothing to you anymore. So crossing those thresholds at a certain point can be negative to your success in the human race.
0: Well, when something as easy uh, as making macaroni and cheese becomes like murder in your life, there definitely is a problem, and that truly is the threshold. There are people that don't know how to cook. There are people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s that don't know how to cook. They've never cooked in their entire life. So technically, that threshold being broken is they've never murdered someone and they've never cooked. But if you go out of your way and you just fucking stab somebody and get it over with and you're comfortable with it, it's the exact same thing as boiling water, putting noodles in it, and then adding the cheese sauce, stirring it, and fucking eating it. There, The combinations to these things are all interchangeable, and it can go from killing someone to logging into your computer or the password on your phone. Some of these things become just absolute memory to you, and it truly is being comfortable with something. Now, using your phone and stabbing someone to death obviously takes a very, very different mindset. Pulling this back into Long Weekend, when you look at some of the disdain people don't just have for their loved ones or themselves, but their environment, the, the lack of, of compassion to even your surroundings, your yard, your kingdom, whatever the hell you want to call it, it's baffling. And it makes you almost afraid of how easy it could be for so many people that clearly do not care about anything if they just killed somebody. They probably wouldn't stop, because it's just like brushing your teeth. It's just like macaroni and cheese. All of these things are just very simple. And you said this once to me years ago. I don't remember what the conversation was, but we were talking about, I I, I think it might have been a past live episode, violence. Just the idea of stabbing someone. The amount of effort and pressure and, and what you'd have to do to stab someone. It's just a horrifying thought. I mean, you can't just poke somebody. You have to put some effort into it, and flesh rips, and there's a tear and a sound, and you feel it. Just being able to do that—that—that that, that itself is something insane. That's—that's that's, you know, I, I, I'm not talking about survival. I'm not talking about you know, you're you're going to be killed, and you're doing something in self-defense. Just fucking stabbing someone. And in the reference that you had brought it up, it was just the the motion behind doing that, the capability behind doing that, the mindset behind doing that. The characters that you're given in Long Weekend are are so close to that level, it could just be like fucking arguing to them, making macaroni. You know, that's my my whole tangent here. Well,
1: that I mean, that's is consistent with the aspect of what humanity is in this film, which is just like nature is completely amoral; it just is. But humans run on a are supposed to run on a certain amount of morality to keep them from basically getting too big for their fucking britches, which is where we're at fucking now. But besides the point, I mean, once you've gotten rid of a certain level of morality, and this sounds like some fucking street preacher bullshit, like kindness for your fellow human being is important. Kindness to the environment is all these things are important. You just not caring about any of these things Tells me that you just don't care about much. You're more concerned on like some robotic level of mathematics with no empathy. And mathematics with no empathy is the end of everything. That is, but I mean, if you're into entropy, I mean, that could be the start of something. But all things will eventually cave in on themselves.
0: And that's basically where we're as a society right now. Positive. There's nothing wrong with disliking people. There's no, uh, like, I'll use me as an example. I'm very pro-environment when it comes to Long Weekend. I back the killer. I'm with these people being gotten rid of. But in the long run, I feel this is a representation of of mankind and humanity in general. And I wish the environment would fight back. I don't see any faults in it. But do I think coronavirus is some... Great, fantastic plague! That's the environment helping? No, because people are suffering and dying, and 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 as you even brought up entropy and and all of these terms that people just don't seem to have any feeling for. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being a misanthrope. I I totally am. I, I'm probably the most misanthropic. I misanthropic person. <laughs> oh, no shit, man. But I still have hope. I want the coronavirus, to completely go away just as everyone does, but not so I can go back to the bar. I don't leave my fucking house. This isn't lockdown for me. This is regular living. Nothing has really changed. I want people to take something out of it just like maybe watching Long Weekend and learning about your behavior, learning about uh, either being closer to other people and having respect for other people or having respect for the environment and the things that are around you. And it's not that like this virus started because of smokers. It's, it's not some... Dumb idea that the plants can tell what's going on and it's it's mother nature fighting back. This is something that has happened a thousand times and will happen a thousand times more. Disease, plague, famine, all of these awful things are are part of our environment because we live here. If humans didn't exist, would these things exist? No. Absolutely not. Well it,
1: it all gets down to the same base concept, which is life is fucking chaos. Try to make something out of the chaos, and chaos will eventually knock you down, but you can rise up out of the chaos each and every time. if it, it doesn't kill you, that is. But stop pretending like everything is, well, it's the Democrats, it's the Republicans. It's like, oh, so. this shit is just chaos, folks. Stop trying to interpret it like somebody's underlying position on this, and I bet the Democrats did this to make Trump— The Democrats killed half
0: the fucking world with a virus or attempting to because they want to get rid of Trump? The DNC has so much power it managed to manipulate a virus and introduce it into China. Joe Biden himself took it over. He walked over with AOC and they released it just like in Resident Evil. That's plausible. That's exactly what happened. Here's something to think about. Death is certain. Life is not. You will die. You are going to die. Spoiler alert. You're gonna fucking die, and so is your dog and your parents and everyone you love and you know. The whole in-between? Worry about that. You're gonna die. Everyone's gonna die. It just happens. Worry about you right the fuck now. Go do something. Write a goddamn book. I'm not trying to be some bullshit Gwyneth pa- I wrote a book while I was in quarantine, but you fucking could, though. I mean I understand too being is very important. If you've not gotten to sit on the couch with your hand down your fucking pants and watch Netflix and eat Cheetos ever, fucking do it right now. If you've never gotten to day drink, do it. If you have all these <laughs> responsibilities you've never that have always compiled and you've never gotten to have fun, take some fucking chances and just be. You said this to me the other day. If you're going to sit in bed and watch Stargate all day, own up to it and watch Stargate all day and have one hell of a fucking day. Just Do it. Worry about living. Worry about now. You're going to die. That's inevitable. So don't fucking fight it. Live. Do something. But whilst you live, try and do something that doesn't involve shooting goddamn manatees and pissing off the Australian outback and the the jungle because it might kill you. Day drink. Watch some Stargate. She's <laughs> living it up, folks. Have you seen that Coors commercial? There's a fucking Coors Light commercial on right now, where these two guys get out of bed and they uh, uh they make breakfast and they sit down in their robes and open up beers and it's just. But my whole point is, right now there are so many things you've never gotten to do, and there are people that have had to work every single day of their life that have, from you know, ten years old to fucking now, have have worked every moment and they've never had sitting on the couch for hours doing nothing. You can do that, and it's okay. You're allowed to do that. It's O-fucking-K. There's no problem with it. You want to have a beer at 9 in the morning, do it. Just do it responsibly and try not to operate a motor vehicle, beat your wife or anyone around you uh, whilst doing so. But, hey, all of these things are okay. Now, don't make a habit of it. I mean, alcoholism is very serious. (laughs) So I'm not trying to condone, you know, don't drink every day at 9 in the morning. But you can do so many things you've never done before right now. Try gardening. Try painting. I don't know. Jerk off upside down. Do something fucking different, but don't feel bad about it. Uh, just don't shoot sea cows. You know, if you're doing that or starting forest fires, maybe you should feel a little bit bad about it. If you're protesting, not being able to go to the bar, you should feel bad about it. If you think this is a government ploy, you also should feel bad about it. And I'm just going to throw this one in there because it bothers me. If you think the earth is flat, you should also feel bad about it. <laughs> Not too Catholic. I've oh. not been too dismal on this episode. I, I, we I, didn't get political on this episode. Not at all. I, well, see, I, I think a big thing with certain episodes and our political nature is it's not inherently a side. We're not talking about Democrats or Republicans or any other country's party system— I think, for the most part, what we're trying to convey is is an inherent idea of what's wrong and and what's right. And sure, I guess that can be taken philosophically or politically. But I don't feel there's a lot of politics or philosophy behind treat people nicely and invest your time in yourself. I mean, really, you're going to die and you can't get rid of that. You can't chase that. So live a little, but do so respectfully. And I don't, you know, it's not having a safe place. It's not some little ice whatever the hell snowflake comment just be fucking nice is that so hard I mean why is that such a hard concept
1: man he just keeps winning and winning how about we start like or stop worrying about winning and just start worrying about like being okay and living as opposed to winning or being number one or dominating or anything else hey I just kind of want to live I kind of want to jerk off and go to bed sometimes and not have to worry about
0: Extinction. I don't worry about having materialistic things. I don't worry about how much money I'm going to have in 20 years or who's president or what's going on. My worries almost exclusively consist of having a wealth of health, knowledge, love, and safety. And that sounds fucking hopey and like some star child bullshit, but really... All of those things are what you need. Uh, health. You, you need. It's like be- fa- Fight Club without all the fascism. I mean, but what, what more is important than safety? Safety is having a roof over your head. You might be shit-ass alone and have no money, but if you have warmth and a kitchen and a, a roof over your head, you should be thankful. You, should, you have safety. You don't have cancer. You don't have coronavirus, and if you do, I'm very apologetic if you're listening to this episode. But you have health. A wealth isn't just having a hoard of fucking money. Everyone has a wealth of things that they don't even acknowledge or pay attention to. You got family that loves you? You're wealthy. You got a home, you got a roof, you got food in the kitchen? You're wealthy, man. You got to take that into perspective. You kind of are the 1%, because there are a lot of people out there that have none of those things. There are people that just don't even know what family is, and it's not their fault. It's not the environment's fault, and it's not politics' fault. But when you have that someone doesn't, you're fucking wealthy. Take advantage of it. Just live. Worry about living.
1: I guess what we're saying is Long Weekend is exactly like the platform except just not up its own ass.
0: Yeah, kind of better. (laughs) (sighs) So I guess this is bringing us to the end of this episode. We're going to start getting trolled by right-wing fucking assholes at any point now. So I I guess I really appreciate our audience that has stuck with us and listens to us just go off the deep end, but... There is something really unique about the message with Long Weekend, both of them. I mean, and both are easily available, I believe, on multiple streaming networks, Tubi and Amazon right now. So you can mm-hmm. find it and take something for yourself, see if any of this psychobabble has any <laughs> representation in your life or your thoughts. But I, this, this to me, was a great episode, and uh, Mary Sparrow came up with this idea. This was all her—she suggested to me— why don't you do Long Weekend? And it kind of rattled around in my head till you know, you had... I haven't thought of Long Weekend in probably eight years. Oh, yeah, when she said it to me, I was like, Long Weekend, which one is that? And I kept calling it Bad Weekend, I think, when, when I brought the idea up with you. When- I
1: keep calling it Last Weekend, so... <laughs> yeah,
0: and the Nature's Grave. Nature's Grave is a ridiculous Terrible title. Terrible title. But I think the, the big emphasis in this isn't necessarily all people suck, but these people do they did (laughs) they did suck don't be that way and definitely uh super we're gonna just get married to start picking titles for us because this was pretty good that's it i gotta play this it's always sunny game on my phone well the ashtray is full and the bottle is empty after this episode we will be recycling the bottle and recycling all the cigarette butts because we don't want the environment killing whichever hank i am now we'll see you next week by dvd is recorded in front of a dead studio audience
1: portions of today's programming have been mechanically reproduced
0: the management and the staff wish you a pleasant good night and good morning